Yeah, I've been nervous about this. Uh, why is that? I don't know. I think because I've been watching, I just like Kavi Zahedi is such a known entity to me. He's someone who I've paid attention to for so long. It's a little, it's a little nerve wracking. Plus we have this whole history now going into this where he's listened to us pontificate about him already. Yeah. That's, in the, that's, that's kind of unique and funny. And this is literally going to be the podcast about the podcast. You've got mail. How can I hear your new far off sounds holiday special? Hey, Carvey, happy to send you the MP3 file directly, but I'm out running around for most of today so it won't be until later on. If you're eager to hear it ASAP, you could subscribe on the Patreon to check it out at this link. Sorry it's so weird, Patreon for some reason doesn't have the option of comping episodes to non-subscribers. Kind of annoying. I can wait, but thank you. Okay, looks like you can copy this RSS link into your podcast app to listen to the show for no cost. Thank you. Kathy liked it. Glad to hear it. I feel like we were playing a bit fast and loose and cavalier with your work, life and legacy in that conversation. Wanna come on the podcast for a more earnest conversation about your art, slash to correct the record, December 25th, Public Diary, 12.47 a.m. Last night, Kathy and I listened to a podcast that talked about me. It was mostly really positive but there was the occasional unpleasant jab and the relentless errors along the way that made the experience a mixed one. I replied to the podcaster's email with a simple, Thank you, Kathy said, you should tell them you liked it. I said, but I'm not sure I liked it. Why don't you just add that I liked it? She said, so I wrote, thank you, Kathy liked it, which sounded to me like I was saying I didn't like it, which isn't exactly true. The podcaster who sent it to me replied, I feel like we were playing a bit fast and loose and cavalier with your work, life and legacy in the conversation. Wanna come on the podcast for a more earnest conversation about your art, slash to correct the record? I felt a bit bad for having given the impression that I disliked what he and his colleagues had said. You've got mail. Sure. Start spreading the news. Hello. Hello. I'm, I'm here with my girlfriend. I hope that's okay. Of course. That, that's oh, yeah. okay with me. Yeah. Okay. The more the merrier. Um, well, hey, Kavi, thanks for joining us. At this point, um, listeners to the podcast will, will know a bit about you because of the episode that we released previous to this one where we talked about your work. Quite a bit, but I just want to say right off the bat that I'm a fan. I really, I really like your work. I've been uh, watching it for some years now. Um, I first encountered it like a decade or two, uh, yeah, maybe maybe ten or twelve years ago for the first time. And uh, hmm. I guess a big part of why we wanted to bring you on is because we had this this weird, interesting, indirect exchange around the last podcast where we uh, I'll just say that recording that thing I was talking I was talking a lot about your work um, in in sort of like aware only that it would be going behind a paywall not that it would be for public consumption and I think we were a little surprised when you responded to the Twitter tag and you were like hey can I listen to this and I was like oh god I uh, I was playing really fast and loose with uh, <laughs> talking about you and your work, et cetera, in the last episode. So part of why I wanted to have you on was to 
to do something a little bit more nuanced and serious and to correct the record. And I'll just say, uh, listening back, I will say the first glaring mistake I noticed when I listened back to that episode was I talked about your film, uh, I Am a Sex Addict, and I referred to it as a film about the end of your marriage when immediately upon listening to it, I was like, wait, that's actually a film that's kind of about the beginning of a marriage for you. And so I wonder besides that, um, were there any other really big errors that jumped out at you? Anything you wanna bring up from the last episode? It's been a while. I think there was a title that was wrong and just little things like that. <laughs> little things, okay. My first encounter with your work was with I Don't Hate Las Vegas Anymore, which if I'm if I'm right, was your was that your first feature film? No, second. What was your first? A Little Stiff. Right, okay. I've I have heard of that one but have not seen it. But um can you talk a little bit? I I I saw I Don't Hate Las Vegas Anymore on like a VHS tape at visiting my little brother at Hampshire College in a, you know, dark uh weed-filled smoky room. And it was transfixing and, and you know, uh, implanted itself in my brain. Can you talk a little bit about what drove you to make that film? I've never had this thing. Yeah. Have you? I have. Uh -huh. I have. I have. I have. Yeah. There's a radio station, okay? Uh -huh. It's called Loveline, okay? Uh -huh. All these kids, they talk about their problems, okay? I've heard Drugs, this. everything, okay? Right. Now, there's a doctor on there. Those guys on Loveline are the guys you listen to? No, there's a doctor on there. The guy knows what he's okay. talking about. I know doctors, he, I know doctors he, who he, prescribe this, who says, say it's good. There's a doctor named He's a doctor. He's a medical doctor. And he says this is a good thing and people should do it. It well, opens their heart. You call him up, you tell him if it's all right for I mean, George Zahidi, he's 62 years old, then I'll let him take it. I'm not going to let him take it. You're younger than my father. Maybe you can take it and he can't. Well, you're younger than me. Maybe you can take it. I don't need to take it. I'm drug free. Um, I think that was, I knew a guy who had met Jean-Luc Godard and he had asked him like a, for his advice for young filmmakers. And he had said, um, make films about your parents and do it in video or something. And uh, that film was shot on film. So I didn't listen to that part, but um, I think he was just saying, make it low budget and make it about something that you know and have feelings about. I mean, I was just, interpreting why he would say that and i was like okay so and i remember thinking like my mom wouldn't let me but my dad would so i was gonna make fun about my dad and just how how would i do that and uh i think what i did was i i decided to go with my father and my half brother to vegas for a weekend because they, they went all the time and i just brought a tape recorder and i recorded everything uh for three days and then I transcribed everything that was said into a script and I edited it down to like 90 minutes. And then I just tried just to reenact this trip. Um, and, you know, to play some casinos and uh, hotel swimming pools and stuff, it was kind of like a bigger budget thing. Um, and I tried to raise money for it, but I wasn't able to. And then I got like a $30,000 grant. And I said, well, I can't make the film I wrote for that. Um, can I do it for, use it for something else? And they said, well, you have to keep the same title and the same basic premise, but you can change it a bit. So I thought I'll just go again and just shoot what happens and try to reenact it as it's happening. Um, so that was the idea really. And then I quickly realized that the reenactments weren't working um, because my father couldn't act. 
and um it became kind of just a documentary uh has your half brother is he still around what's what's your relationship like with him now yeah i mean he's a lot older now uh <laughs> it's it's uh i mean it's never been super close like we're very different and uh um but i think the it's, it's positive ish <laughs> um okay <laughs> I, and and I know that in that in that film he he you know he went on record sort of saying like don't don't ever let uh, don't ever let this guy make a film about you. I'm assuming he has followed his own dictum and not been on camera for you ever since then. Is that true? Um, actually, I think we did like um, a short making of during the um, there was like a box set thing or there was like a, re a release with uh, DVD extras. So we did shoot some stuff. We did like a commentary and I mean, he, he's been, he's been, um, he's been fine doing stuff. I just haven't done that much with him. He lives in LA. I live in New York, you know? Okay. Um, well that, that film was, uh, distributed on home video in the, in the nineties, right. By this company world artists. And yeah. I guess as an independent director, um, I feel like getting some kind of distribution out of a festival like that, you know, without a hard genre or some kind of name actor attached is maybe harder now than it was in the mid nineties when you were doing that work. And I, and I guess, so can you talk about that time and sort of how that happened exactly and what a distribution deal like that meant for you as a starting filmmaker, like professionally, financially, et cetera? Well, I'd made a little stiff, which got into Sundance and got, you know, a lot more <laughs> attention than Vegas ever did. Um, and for a while, I was kind of being courted a little bit by like, you know, some of the smaller studios and stuff. And I was, you know, pretty, um, I don't know what to call it, self-destructive or uh, having like a little too much integrity or something. But I basically burned every bridge I could um, and just said no to everybody. Um, and I made this film and it was a disaster. Actually, uh, it made no money. Uh, nobody wanted it. And uh, the people at Sundance hated it. And um, I was depressed for like a year or two. And it really like uh, kind of hurt my career, actually. It's kind of like kind of the one that people kind of like maybe the most now. But at the time, it was really panned. It got you know, incredibly virulent reviews. Um, and it was, you know, People were like, oh, he's a promising director. And then they were like, no, he's not. Um, so uh, it was a disaster career-wise. What? Why Why do you think that backlash happened after the second film? Um, I mean, like, the line on it was the guy's, like, uh, trying to kill his father, and uh, he's a drug pusher, and he's just, like, a, a unethical at every level. Um, and you know it was like a, a big moral backlash against against it, um, yeah. <laughs> so so already at that point the 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 criticism had kind of gone from being about the work itself to being about the ethics underlying it, which I feel like maybe has been a theme for you since that yeah. time. Yeah, I mean that was the first film that was really ethically problematic, uh, but they've continued to be so. I guess <laughs> it's kind of my thing. I guess actually. Uh... Kind of wanted to jump in on that point in that <clears throat> from watching your work like i 
am not as familiar with your work as Jacob is. I really just started delving into the show about a show and I've been binging it like crazy. I love it. But a lot of the, the criticism that you address in that and that you just spoke to are regarding your ethics. Like when I watch your work, I, I perceive you as a person that deeply cares about the people in their lives. Like you're concerned about their feelings regarding your work, but you're also trying to live authentically to yourself. Yeah, I do. So I guess how, how does that affect you personally? Like to hear people say that about you, Oh, you know, this is a manipulative person and like, you know, they're puppeteering all these people. Yeah. I mean, I don't love the criticism. Um, you know, it always hurts a little bit, but uh, it's also, you know, to be expected. Um, I mean, I, I have a, I have an ethical uh, sense or something. I have like a ethical, I have an ethics, <laughs> but it's, <coughs> excuse me, it's not, it's not the mainstream ethical system. And I guess it's against the mainstream ethical system that most people, you know, have. So, you know, it's, it, it rubs people the wrong way because it challenges or questions or, you know, goes against their beliefs. Um, and I, I think, I would just say the main thing is, I think honesty is a higher value than um, what I guess I would call not hurting people's feelings. And I think the reason I think that is because I think that nobody knows how anything is going to play out over time. And I think that spiritual growth is what the goal is. And often that's uncomfortable and unpleasant. And I think a lot of us are trying to sort of like, I don't know, like um, molly coddle each other so that we don't have to grow really or face reality. And I think what it does is it infantilizes people. And it also makes people operate on false assumptions all the time. And instead of getting to where they need to go, they they just it just slows it down really um so i don't know just like for example i think a lot of times people are friendly with people that they don't really like that much and they sort of act a little nicer to them than they really feel and then there's a lot of like uh, hey we should hang out oh yeah that'd be great but really you don't want to hang out with them you're just sort of saying that and you're just kind of wasting everybody's time and if you just said you know i don't really want to hang out with you because you know, I have other friends that I value more or whatever, <laughs> you know, like that's in a way in, to everybody's benefit, you know, like they're not wasting their time thinking you like them more than you like them. Uh, you know, wasting your own time trying to appease them or please them like, and in the end of the day, it's not going to work out anyway, because you're really not on the same wavelength. So I think just a simple example where like, if you're just honest, you know, it might hurt a little bit up front, but it's probably going to hurt at some point down the line anyway, because they're gonna realize what you really think. And uh, you're just kind of like finding your actual people you should hang out with and not like hanging out with the wrong people. Um, that's just a really simple example, but you know, I just think honesty is based on the truth and not hurting people's feelings is based on an idea about what you think is good for them. And it's kind of arrogant because you don't really know what's good for them. You don't really know what they want. You don't really know what they need, but you sort of are playing God. And I think being honest is like not playing God. It's just like being like, I don't know what's good for you, but here's the truth about me. 
and you can do whatever you want with that. Um, that's the basic difference, I think. So does yeah. this um does this manifest itself outside of the show? I I also only have seen the show about the show, and it seems like it's when you're doing these very candid, like, you know, I'm staring into the camera and explaining the way I feel about the situation. Is that the Kave that exists off off camera in day-to-day -day life? Is, is is it the same Kave or is there is there a different approach that's taken with the show as the way, uh, as you go about navigating relationships? Um, I don't know, it's a, it's a fine line between, I mean, when I'm on camera, that it's a part of me that's a little different than I think than the not on camera part. Someone described my not on camera part once as a little more realistic. <laughs> and um, I don't know, what would you say? My girlfriend is here. How different yeah. are you? Was he asking how are you different in your life? Or um, well, like, are you as honest? Hi, in your life? Like, maybe come um, louder. I was just, well, just yesterday I was saying to him that, like, um, in the show, he always kind of seems like, like there's always like a sense of humor about everything. Like everyone else kind of seems like emotional and like crazy. And he kind of always seems like he has a handle on everything in a weird way, but he doesn't seem like that in real life. So, yeah. That's a good perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, well, are you, are you as, are you as direct or is, uh, Kathy is Kavi as direct and confrontational about his feelings in real life as he is in the show. Um. Well, he definitely needs to be prodded. Like, um, I think he's weirdly more like he's. I don't know. He gives up information more easily when there's an audience. I think as opposed to like one on one. Um, but he's honest. I mean, he doesn't lie. He just, he withholds. But the thing is like the show, he's also withholding. I mean, it's impossible not to, you'd have to like what film every second of every day and like have everyone's perspective. Um, but, um, I guess you just, you don't know what's being withheld when you watch the show. Cause you don't know him you're not in his life, but once you're in it, it's, it, you know, it becomes more obvious. I mean, this, this brings up a, a I guess for me, there's this really, there's this really interesting thing that happens when when I'm watching that the show or other stuff of yours, which is this like this weird tension between this idea of like honesty or like a cleansing experience that you're going for. Far Off Sounds is a completely community supported effort to tell the infinite story of music on Earth. If you'd like to help us continue telling that story consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash faroffsounds, where you can hear the rest of this and all the rest of our episodes in full.